How Long Gone is here, TJCB, another fine day to podcast, marathon podcast session continues, what's up bro? It's fucking nothing, all my life is is a marathon podcast session, I'm, I mean, sorry, I, I, if I'm a little out of it, it's because my mind is spinning because I just read that, um, (laughs) uh, Martin Luther King's I Have a Dream speech is coming to Fortnite. Um, so if, if you, what? yeah, that's right. If, what does if you're that not, mean? like, is there going to be a little pixelated MLK dropping bars? Best known as an online multiplayer game. Fortnite has been opening itself up as a storytelling and educational platform. Uh, and time magazine has partnered with Fortnite to give you this in-game experience. Okay. I, I believe what can happen is your little avatar can walk up to a screen and then you got Martin Luther King spitting bars at you uh, virtually with your headset on. Okay. So hopefully there... I mean, I know that Fortnite is, is not necessarily the most violent video game compared to other titles. Yeah. You know, other, other Blue Lives Matter style, you know, Call of Duty murder shows but there is an element of of battle going on i don't is is mlk going to be a playable character that you can, i don't know you can get a travis scott astroworld <laughs> avatar skin and put it on mlk or is it are you going to be able to use him to kill people or? i don't think so i mean martin luther king in the travis scott dunks is something that i think we all would like <laughs> to see even if it was only a cartoon but i think uh, mercifully, the good folks at Time Magazine and the Fortnite gaming company have limited it to just his iconic uh, and important speeches. I hope that is correct. I hope it is too. But we got to go where these kids are, Jason. These kids need to be educated. And you know, if we're not, if 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 we can't do it as humans, then we must do it mm-hmm. virtually with the computer or the video game. Yeah. Well, I mean, de- depending on where your where your kid goes to school like what district they're in what part of the country they're in or part of the world they're in they might not even you know the the erasure of mlk might be prevalent you know they don't they don't teach a lot of things in certain parts of the world so this might be the only place where you know they recognize the work of dr martin they it might it might just be you know like the erasure how they only teach the Bible and stuff like that and they say thank that, God you know yeah. dinosaurs weren't real and evolution doesn't exist you know there we I mean? go this isn't going on in yeah, Seattle at the at the Chris Black Charter School um that's kind of the stuff mm-hmm. we teach that that's kind of the stuff we teach as I as I raise a little more money to launch my academy it's kind of like a flat Earth uh you know yeah. mm-hmm. God is good um. Global warming is fake. A lot of stuff about the moon, the moon landing. Yeah, we all know that's not real. TJ, as a YouTube conspiracy theorist, I know that you stand with me on the moon landing mm-hmm. being obviously pro-America propaganda, and it was just about us defeating Russia. I don't want to get into that. Um, that could, you know, we we do have to podcast today. I do, but yeah, the Chris Black Char- Charter School will be opening somewhere, probably in you know, like rural Alabama. In the next ten to fifteen years, the mighty hills of Appalachia is probably your key demographic range for these types of teachings. I wish you luck. The unfortunate part is the school is going to be forty thousand a year starting, um, so that does kind of economically limit some of our students. But we do offer scholarships. Okay. Basketball player Kyrie Irving has generously offered. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. We since he kind of is the one who taught me 
about the flat earth theory. He thought it was only fair to donate some of his um, Nike shoe money to, to educating young people in the right way. Was Kyrie a flat earther? I didn't know Yeah, that. Yeah, Kyrie is a flat earther. So it's him and then um, Mr. Kick Push. He was a flat earther for a while, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's a flat everything. <laughs> oh, fuck. What is his name? Shout Lupe out, shout out to our for, for friend of the show, Chuck Anderson over there in Chi-Town. You know, he's, I know he's worked with him a lot, and I don't know how he feels. Maybe he's also a member of Flat Earth Mafia. <laughs> it's time that Flat Earth, that the Flat Earth movement gets a little bump. You know, like enough time has passed, enough information has been learned, enough doors have been opened. Is it so even maybe fringe? it's time to reconsider. Yeah, is it even a fringe theory at this point? I mean, you know, it's like... It's like Republican and Democrat. It's like, you know, 50% of the people believe it, 50 don't, and, and you know... <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That That's kind of how I'm seeing it. But there's, there's, there's so much stuff going on. Uh, the Vice Media Network is laying off 40 to 50% of their... Uh, they're going to they're gonna basically... Vice Media in 2021 is actually pivoting to video. This is not this is not a joke. The, the, they're reducing the number of text articles on their properties by 50%. That, I mean, I guess that makes sense kind of, but haven't they been doing video for 20 years now? But they're 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 doubling and tripling down on it now is what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, they're going to bring us more important, you know, Refinery 29. <laughs> you know shopping <laughs> stories but this time five minute videos instead of 300 word articles so i'm glad that they're able to do that because the the american people's attention span is is not getting better i would assume it's getting worse yeah and i know that i know that action bronson he's sick with the pen but his Substack <laughs> numbers are not doing as well as his youtube plays i don't think he does anything anymore except kettlebells which is kind of goals AF, if if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, that is that is pretty much what he does. Him him um, transitioning into a bodybuilding influencer. You know, if you're going to be a YouTube personality, more people want to see him doing that, or there's enough of a community of people that want to see him doing that versus him. You know, eating food on a Bronx sidewalk and talking about how it's. <laughs> so good yeah hitting hitting, i'm sure he's a good cook and he loves food but it's kind of like you know hitting the dab rig and the sprinter and then eating wings with three (laughs) guys is can only that we can only handle (laughs) only handle one season of that there's a shelf life for that yeah there's there's only one season that's that's not a we're not doing a a five season deal for that show that's a one season then we're going to kind of revisit it uh once once we kind of review the review the numbers um but yeah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sorry to hear that for all the people that that lost their jobs. But trust me, no one was reading it, and you're better off. So I'm sure you're going to land on your feet uh, at another publication that did not peak in 2002. Yeah, once you have that on your CV, you know, Paris Review, wherever you want to go, it's mm-hmm. pretty much your. It's 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 up to you. It's like going to Stanford. Yeah. You get the pick of the litter in terms of the job market. Exactly. It's it's you, you, the world is your oyster, um, and I'm sure most of you will just start a sub Substack and make you know three hundred dollars a month for a while while you figure it out. Um, <laughs> but just know there are jobs out there, you know. And Time Magazine is paying people to write about their collaboration with Fortnite, and let's not ever forget that. God damn it! I thought Fortnite was going to be dead by now. I didn't. I didn't think that people were going to still care about it that much. I think it's just like 
part of the fabric of, of our society now. I don't, I don't think it's new or exciting or any of that. I think it's just this is solidly part of things that people do. You, you know what I mean? It, mm-hmm. it's, it's like NBA 2K. Yeah, but but 2K 2K is like a game that you play with your friend, you know, it's like it's a thing that you do versus a Fortnite or like The Sims or something where it becomes like you know, I don't want to say the word metaverse yet again, but it becomes your your second life that you that you live online and even if you're not doing anything except for just cruising around and checking out MLK or just I'm going to build my house and like decorate my bathroom on the Sims and then make sure to water my house plants or else the, the fig, <laughs> the virtual fig will die when I'm on holiday. This is the difference between me and you, Jason, the, 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 the you know, world building is not only something we can do for clients, but it's also something we can do on the computer. And I think you kind of need to look at those things as, 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 you know, they feed each other. You know, and I think that's something. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. I just, you're a little closed minded sometimes when it comes to the virtual world. And as someone who's kind of been, <laughs> been into that, for, you know, since the, you know, uh, Nintendo days, it, it's kind of early days, early days. I wouldn't say it's hurtful to see, but it's not my favorite thing to see you not embracing, uh, <laughs> progression in in like the way that humans behave you know i don't mean to you know you know i, I know you don't mean to, to. Right? it's just i just have it's just hard for me to understand i look i get it bro and i'm that's what i'm here for i'm here to shepherd you through this process of kind of making sure that your avatar is kitted out in only the finest streetwear and that your Mm-hmm. virtual bathroom does have a nice pharaoh and ball color <laughs> for the wall because it's like an accent wall opportunity that you know the small bathroom i'm talking the like the, the guest bathroom kind of off the kitchen yeah yeah of course you know what i'm saying course. so that, i think the one. that's something we could experiment with color wise whereas obviously we want kind of a classic white wall in the rest of the virtual home yeah the guest the guest bath kind of lets you or i mean maybe i don't want to speak for you but it kind of lets me play around a little bit more and kind of like be a little more experimental. Yeah, exactly. With my color palette. Exactly. Yeah, it's a it's a it's a smaller take a, a chance to take risks in the metaverse. Yeah, exactly. And what what better place to take risks than a place where there's absolutely no repercussions, where there's no reward or consequences? Yeah, exactly. It's a fake virtual world where people. I mean, I was not expecting the podcast to to take this turn, but I like I like it. It's a you tried on a pair of loafers that I didn't think were your vibe. And they fit like a glove, Chris. Thank you for thank you for noticing, and and I'll show you. I can't wait till to see you next time, so I can show you my new PC that I bought. It has two fans. It has it has two fans. It has a lot of fans on it. Two fans, and they're both neon green. And one, when it gets spinning really fast, you can look hard at it, and it's an alien's face. Okay, <laughs> so you when when you really get that thing cooking, is what you're saying? It's sort of. I mean, I, I don't I don't want to say a mascot, but it's it's some it's something to kind of invigorate you and let you know you're not gaming alone. You're there with someone. You're not gaming alone. That sounds like a, a burial lyric. Well, this has inspired me on the merch side of things. I like to kind of always think business-wise. And yeah, yeah, we know maybe that. Maybe we need to do, you know, we were talking to Will Welch about the Yeti yeah. brand, you know, the Yeti Tumblr. And obviously, we have done a, a successful Nalgene bottle. And, and, you know, fans of the show, we may have another Nalgene hitting the streets soon but maybe after that one you know obviously we'll sell out in in minutes not hours <laughs> we need to perhaps start workshopping 
a Nalgene uh, piss bottle for our game. Oh, yeah, Sweat. I like this. I like this a, a lot. lot of these guys, a lot yeah. of these guys don't have time to step away from the rig. No, of course. And squirt off. So we need to, we need yeah. to create maybe <laughs> yeah, the squirt into the bottle. Maybe the 64 ounce offering that Nalgene has. 64 ounce clear Nalgene because the piss going to come out looking like monster energy. And you want to be able to kind of like see that. Yeah. Well, we're all about transparency, including the, the hint and hue of our the, sorry the tint and hue of our nalgenes and uh you know we want to we want people not unlike your theory on you know the tinted windows of your luxury vehicle we don't want limo tint because no you know we want to see you coming we want you know when when you pull up and honk twice uh-huh. they don't you don't want to be wondering who who is that who is that and you, when see you see the 64 ounce full and we obviously all of our nalgenes so far have been kind of the narrow mouth offering because I I prefer that drinkability. But, you know, in terms of hog insertion, we might have to go wide mouth. Wide mouth for the hog. Um, And we have to, you know, people need to know what is in there. It's it's human urine. I want to talk, well, we do have a guest say, I don't want to talk to him about uh, (laughs) not only his hog and his gaming, but, but, you know, what kind of window tent he has. Because I feel like this guy might have some whips. You know what I'm saying, Jason? He might have a little more... um, income to play around with we'll see about that we're gonna ask we're at, we're gonna ask our guest kenny beats to see the pnl there's no question <laughs> you might you, you might know uh you might know kenny beats from his uh production work with a slew of uh hip-hop artists like key and uh rico nasty O3 three greedo denzel curry unfortunately freddie gibbs one of one of chris's favorites yeah your uh, your boy vince staples my boy vince staples uh but he's also you know he's all he's in he's in the youtube game he's a twitch man he's he's done a very good job at creating a, a brand for himself um outside of the music world especially during quarantine a lot of stuff has taken off for him and he's got a live show coming up in new york soon so a lot, and he's also a tall king, just like us. This is an opportunity for me to finally freestyle on this podcast. So I hope my man has his Ableton open because mm-hmm. this is about to look like fucking sway in the morning on how long gone in here. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't, if you don't watch it, uh, all right. Let's let's give let's give Kenny a ring. Okay. Are you are you recording on your end, by the way, Ken? Or I am. I am. I'm recording on a vintage U87 through a 1073 Neve preamp in a CL1B tube tech because I heard y'all roast the shit out of waves and I'm coming correct. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. So you. Bro. Okay. So out of all of our podcast guests in the history of How Long Gone, you are about to be shitting on them because you. Is it true that you're an absolute gear slut? <laughs> absolutely they don't call it anymore now it's gear space now uh tj gearspace.com but yes i am a gear slut is anything sacred thanks a lot <laughs> fucking biden god this is biden's america i'm shitting on you guys too i sound way better than both of you guys also well i mean we're this is the zoom so you hear us through the zoom which is just through our computer mics but we're recording independently on our own on our own setup but you do sound much better than we do and that's true <laughs> why shouldn't you i mean you're the one who is sitting on hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of gear 
And we are using a $200 Zoom recorder that I got on Amazon Prime. So, <laughs> is, it the, is it the H4? Is it the Zoom H4? Oh, come on, bro. It's H5. Yeah, you fucking hater. I would, I would, I would venture to say, like, I'm assuming Chris is probably wearing vintage. I'm recording vintage. <laughs> you know, it's just a different. People are, people are different. People are, people are different, but I think that we can always, you know, come together on the love of vintage, whether that be <laughs> microphones or t shirts. You know, there there is a through line there. Yeah, the different the difference is they don't sell mics at the Rose Bowl. My they, God, they, this is a different, different. They don't different lane. They don't. But I should. <laughs> I maybe maybe I should look at maybe I should Jason look at investing in like a a cool microphone to really put my podcasting over the edge. Well, we have. I mean, we have a, a great resource at our disposal now to consult with. You know, what is a Chris Black microphone? And and, and the the key factor for this is to keep in mind. The the quality of the product means nothing. It's only cosmetic. Is is sort of <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely not. You understand that we're going to go with an AKG D nineteen. It's a vintage microphone. It was used by the Beatles on pianos. It was used as an overhead drum microphone for a lot of people. It'll make Chris look like he's in the know. It'll sound like shit. Okay. <laughs> Perfect. It has. Oh, like a, it'll really. I know this mic. Go- I know this mic. And look, they have it. At, they have it at Guitar Center. Oh no, that's a different one. Oh, I'm looking. This is looking at. Se- this is seven hundred dollars. Is that is that about right? Uh, for for a D19, yeah, probably. Okay. It's not. They're not super expensive. They're old. It's kind of like the old version of an SM57, which is like the hundred dollar workhorse microphone now. But that's what that's what we use. But let me uh, let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I picked this mic, Chris. The reason I picked this mic is. I like to be prepared, whether it's an artist, a podcast, whatever it may be. And I did a little deep dive on your on your Instagram. Oh God! And with all those fucking with all those pictures of fucking tables and chairs, I feel like a vintage microphone on top of one of those things. You're out of the park with the likes next week. A vintage X, a vintage XLR cable hanging off the side of an Eames. It's a, you're putting yourself in a new level. That is gonna that is gonna look good because I do have a lot of a lot of Grammy winners following me. So I think they're gonna kind of see that they're gonna see that I'm doing it a little differently. Maybe than than you know Mark Marin or one of their other little heroes. No, instead of that, Mark Ronson is going to send you a DM, just like just like uh, you know a, a fine thought would would receive, uh, <laughs> just to be like you know what what dat XLR do what the XLR like, hey, do? We're like, hey hey, I, I'm in I'm in your city next week. Let's build type <laughs> of come, type of DM. I want to come over and check out your cord. <laughs> yeah, that's a good. That's a. That's a <laughs> I mean, one time Mark Ronson came to my studio. He walked in the studio and there was a checkered chair of an Eames kind of vibe sitting by one of my pianos. And he goes, Eames? And he pulls it back. And I said, Mark, that's Vans. It's a it's a chair Vans sent me in the mail for something I DJed. It's, a, it's like a checkered, a checkered Modernica chair. And Mark Ronson pulled it back and goes, Eames? And I'm like, nope, Vans. Say, I did I did go there once. And I I, I think the, the fiberglass, like the way it's made is kind of crazy. I don't know if you've watched one of those videos, but like the, it seems like something that you would get sick from breathing. Talking about the, the polyurethane molding yeah. kind of vibe it, it, it seems very dangerous the whole process and i mean i'm obviously a, pu- a pussy <laughs> but i also like it actually seems dangerous but i think they wear some like heavy duty you know gear when they're creating you don't want to irritate the respiratory system when we're when we're copping chairs no when you have a voice like mine you have to kind of protect your instrument yeah, Kenny. Speak. Uh, speaking of his voice, really quick before we get into that, where uh, you're obviously a person that works with a lot of vocalists. 
in the in the lab, what how would you categorize Chris's voice? You know, obviously like opera singers and people like that. There's words for different uh, yeah. voices and pitches and depth and stuff like that. What what would you call him? Chris would be an alto or a tenor. It would be the That's term nice. for Chris's okay. That's nice. Chris's range. But also when you're setting the auto tune, there's a low male <laughs> setting. And Chris, unfortunately, you would not be low male. You'd be alto tenor, right in that mm. middle zone. Chris, you're not but low, actually, son. You're not. You're low. not. Hey. <laughs> I'm not. I'm okay with that. I think actually, when I was in the uh, boys' choir, I was categorized as what? a tenor. You're in the boys' choir. I have a. I have a. I have a meter. There, there's like a. There's a meter on my table that reads every piece of audio that goes on in my studio. It's called a, a Clarity M. It's like it's a phase meter, and it shows you all these different frequencies. Whenever Chris talks, we're having a little bit of harsh resonance around a thousand hertz. <laughs> I called it. I knew that. Chris, yeah. I'd recommend like talking through your mask when you meet people for the first time and maybe it'll cut a little bit of that harshness out on the top end. You you're assuming that I'm wearing a mask and that's the first mistake. Um but yeah, I I Ken Ken did his homework. Ken came to play and I I am pleased as punch, I will say. I where are you in the lab right now? I'm in the lab right now. I'm in the dots studio, the don't overthink shit studio. So where and and I don't I, obviously we don't want to give away your coordinates because you're a high profile guy. But is this this is in Los Angeles? Yeah, I became a, a Valley Burbank guy a couple years ago, and I haven't looked back at all, bro. I've never seen you shooting at the fucking uh, Whole Foods on <laughs> Olive. Where are you at though? <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I I really hunkered down in the last year with like my cooking, my gardening, my home vibe. So until that Irwan Equinox pops up, you're not seeing me anywhere, Playboy. You're not going you're not hitting you're not hitting commissary for a cold brew? I don't drink coffee. I never had a coffee or a cigarette cuz uh, when I was a kid I wanted to play basketball. They told me it'd stop my growth and I ended up 2 inches shorter than TJ. So it worked out. Damn, that's good. Well, that's good information. I didn't I didn't realize. I've never heard that about coffee or cigarettes, if I'm being honest. That sounds like something Yeah, yeah. It's a thing for sure. I, th- I think it was a lie. Yeah, I was honestly, about to say. I, now the, I, <laughs> yeah, that's what I was going to say. A, a, cigar- a cigarette is just like so gross to me and coffee the only time i've ever had coffee i had an instant cup of coffee in korea because we were staying at someone's house we couldn't communicate and i didn't know how to say no politely <laughs> say I'm, I'm okay so i so i drank instant korean coffee and then my homie came out who's like a bean snob and he was like this is the grossest <laughs> bro, cup of coffee i've ever tasted don't do this life. bro that's really funny <laughs> so so what? you didn't know how to ask for yerba mate in korean is what you're saying no but i have one handy right now i'll tell mm. you so you're a, you're a mate man right i got put onto yerba because I was, I would use Red Bull to like stay up in the studio. I, and in 2017, I was doing two, three sessions every single day, and I would just use Red Bull to stay up. And people were like, "It's fucking gross. You can't be drinking this much Red Bull." And I was sponsored by them at the time. I was like an artist to watch, so they would send me nonstop cases of Red Bull all the time. Was this because of your music or your dirt bike career? Oh, uh, my music. And, <laughs> and then someone, someone put me onto Yerba. I started drinking Yerbas, and within like three months of me just always having them stocked, it showed up in a Schoolboy Q album promo. Kehlani put them on her rider. Smino had them in a video. And this company was like, uh, Gayaki was looking at us like, what the fuck is going on? These are the first people who don't mountain bike who have ever posted our drink. <laughs> and so they they started they started sponsoring me and like sponsoring the cave. Okay, so you're a bit of a, a drink fluencer as well then. Yeah, I guess in the tea space maybe. <laughs> <laughs> There's exciting things happening in the tea space right now. Yeah, you're making waves in the tea space. I well what what attracted you what attracted you to Burbank? Cuz I know you're from you're from Connecticut, so I assume you probably like you know, move to LA, you live in West Hollywood or something for a little while. And, and how did you discover Burbank? I mean, I'd, I had 
pretty much exactly the path you're talking about. Like I came out, I moved to Hollywood, hated it so bad. Then was like, oh man, like these lofts downtown look sick. There's nothing wrong with these. Classic mistake. And Classic then, mistake. And, <laughs> and then I've Loki, I will say, loved my fucking apartment downtown, but then moved downtown. And when I was downtown, I was like, I need a new place to work. I had this rehearsal space I was using, or like I had this other garage someone was letting me use. And I was just looking for lockouts. And there's just so much, so many industrial random 24-hour lockout buildings in Burbank that people don't really know about. I I found one via my friend Salva, who I feel like you might know, TJ. The homie. Yeah, Salva had a studio in this room, and then he was getting rid of it. I took it over. It used to be Ron Artest's studio in the early 2000s. It was the Meadow World Peace recording zone. (laughs) So So sick. Apparently, all the wallpaper and everything that's still in it was put up by Ron Artest, and Salva just kind of kept it going till me but it's a shithole it's a terrible building it's a horrible place to make music like there's a pink floyd dad band <laughs> two doors down for me and then the bass player from system of a down with the fucking the twisted beard the soul patch yeah he's in there somewhere and then i saw everlast one time it's dark it gets wow dark. that damn this is a this is a real god this is mount I mean, rushmore if you, if you say burbank studio lockout like all of those things are, are exactly what i would expect i don't mean to be a novice but what does lockout mean great question it's just like a it's just like a room with a lock on the door that you can't sleep in so oh of any type yeah and if if times get tough you're not allowed to sleep there is kind of the one kicker okay okay exactly and sometimes it's like sometimes they they make one in like the middle of a parking garage in Atwater and there's like cliff bars in the lobby. And sometimes it's like this dude owns three parking garages and this is just a building. And that's much more what mine is. There's no soundproofing anywhere. There's no like, Mm, mm. like if someone's playing drums next to me and I have to do a vocal take, I'm either going to like get in a fight with the dude or pay him 20 bucks to stop for 30 minutes. It's like that (laughs) shitty. Wow. And, but that was like my workhorse studio. And I, I do this, this show, this piece of content on YouTube called the cave. And it was a thing that I never really wanted to do or start, but we'd have moments where like SZA was walking by Thundercat was walking by young Dolph was walking by Zach Fox in the hallway. And no one really knew each other or barely knew of each other. And my friends would be like, if there was a camera on just a random Tuesday in this shitty ass room with all these people coming in here, kids wouldn't fucking believe it. And so we started filming that studio. And now I really only use that studio when there's either a lot of guns or someone I don't know at all. But <laughs> when I go to that studio and I turn on the, the don't overthink shit neon sign and kids recognize little things from certain episodes, that studio has become a place where like people ask me if we can go there. That's so and to me. Funny. It's like the shithole that I, 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 yeah, I'd rather not be there, but now they've seen like slow tie and Freddie Gibbs and alchemist and all these different people make music in there. And they're like, Oh my God, can we go to the cave? And I'm like, you know, it smells like piss. (laughs) Like we can go there, bro. But so you're saying you have this, basically, this is kind of where you do the cave, but then you have another studio or you go somewhere else. If you're really working, you probably have a home studio. And depending on how many guns this person has on their person at any given moment, you don't necessarily want to let them into your home. So then you would, you would send them to the piss piss dungeon. The piss dungeon is right. I mean, I'm sitting on a vintage Moroccan carpet yeah, right now go. on a mahogany wood desk mm-hmm. with my fucking my compressor in front of me. At, at the at the other studio, this is like recording. This is like amps and microphones and a drum kit and Wurlitzers and Rhodes yeah. and everything is ready to go. So I can bring Corey Henry or Thundercat or John Carroll Kirby or some amazing musician in here and build something 
absolutely from scratch or bring idols in here or bring trash talk or bring a whole band and be able to do everything in my room myself you can play every instrument right i play every instrument yeah but i i, I did trash talks last album in the cave which was fucking hell <laughs> but it yeah we use the we use the booth as isolation for the guitars lee did vocals in there and we tracked thomas pridgeon's drums at gold diggers in oh, hollywood yeah, yeah. but everything was done in the cave and like after that I went and did another record with a band. I'll tell you guys about after. I can't speak about on the pod, but I left to work at a studio that has full capabilities. And when I say full capabilities, I don't mean like it's cool, like Electric Lady or like it has a Shangri-La vibe. I mean, this studio has every amp, microphone, plate reverb, guitar, whatever you can think of. Yeah, like all the toys. Yeah. And when I did an album that way with assistants and engineers who could help me as I was tracking or help me do setups and this and that, and I heard what the record sounded like, it's... I, I kind of realized like no one's giving you a pat on the back ever for doing anything yourself. You need to make shit the best possible product it can be. And I've learned to like bring people in to teach me about recording. Cause I've been making fucking beats forever. But this side of things that I do in this studio now is really focused on like, how do you make a record feel like these records that we love by yourself? And I bring in help if I need to, you know, a lot of lessons being learned over here. What do you, <laughs> but what do you think about, cause some of these studios may be too nice. You know what I mean? These guys are getting comfortable. They got runners getting them everything they want. You know, there's there's video games, there's arcade games, there's rock climbing walls. They're not they're not order they're not passing around the Bossa Nova menu at three in the morning. They're like, All right, who's who let's get our Nobu order. I mean, totally. I there's I mean, if you're going to if you're going to Conway, you know what I mean, in LA, you're paying twenty five hundred dollars a day. If you're going to Shangri-La, you're going to one of these like legacy studios and you're not signed to the company that runs it. You're paying a lot of money by the day. But for me, it's only worth it for an artist. Cause I, I say for an artist, cause I have my own spots. I don't pull up to studios and pay money. But yeah. when art, when artists go like Chris, you're from Atlanta. Like you live in New York. I grew up in the East coast. When I see Joshua tree, when I hit the desert, it's like a weird feeling. Yeah, like, yeah, I just yeah. feel instantly like, Whoa, I'm, I'm not used to this. Like if you can put an artist in a place and they just feel like, Whoa, like I'm looking at trees all day. I'm looking at an ocean. I'm looking at all grass or even just this room has this energy or I know Stevie played that piano. That makes studios worth it to me. Like this energy, mm-hmm, no mm-hmm. speaker or piece of equipment or loudness yeah. is why I'm going somewhere. Cause for, for $5,000 in any direction, you can own any piece of the top shelf gear at any studio that you need to record at home. If you see like an Adele, a Frank Ocean, Ed Sheeran, they are in whatever desired place they want to be in with a really nice mic, a really nice preamp, a really nice compressor, and a really nice interface. So if they have to record anything, it's going through the highest possible sound cards mm-hmm. and quality, but they can be in a fucking a house in Utah looking at some view, or they can be in Bali, or they can be wherever the fuck. Like, it's really about the space for me. I don't care about some room with neon lights and, like, black leather couches that has a bunch of gear in it. Fuck that. <laughs> I under I think that that is also just a, a, you know, that's where we are technology-wise, like you're saying. You need these four or five things, and you can put that somewhere, and you're good to go, which has probably made music better, you know? I mean, p- part of me also likes the idea of, like, you know, a band going to Shangri-La for a month and finishing the album there and like, you know, but I don't know how much that happens anymore like it did in in the era that I consider to be like a heyday. I mean, I'm I'm of the same mindset of the, the records. I have a record coming out next month that I did top to bottom over three weeks living at the studio with a group. And like, there's, there's just something to be said for it because I think when it comes to music with bands, music with live instruments, what you're trying to do as a producer always is either bring out 
the best in someone or make them feel like they're making their best shit or make them feel like they're having the most fun they've ever had. If you can bring them back to that moment where they're in a garage, it's like, oh my God, music still, yeah. we can do whatever the fuck we want. If you can get them there or feel like they're being prolific, you get them there. But with bands, if you miss a take or you misrecord a take, if it's the wrong mic balance, the wrong amp, wrong guitar, you're not getting the performance back the way you can punch in a certain vocal or I can go emulate things with rappers or songwriters I'm doing. Like I, There's certain things I tracked in the last year where if I missed... This two minutes, I would have never gotten this fucking song. And the the challenge in that is like the beauty to me now. I'm I'm starting to feel like you're transitioning into a, a Rick Rubin esque style producer. Um, you know, you're you're building out the the lab and the crib. You're you're kind of being a little bit more. I don't know. You're you're thinking less about the gear and the equipment and the methods, and more about kind of the the real true art of producing, which is like that un- intangible thing that you can't buy or teach somebody of just like what really actually makes a record good. I mean, Rick has been real instrumental for me. I'm really fortunate that I can say that I don't take it lightly. I don't like pat myself on the back like that's my boy or think like it's a it's a normal thing to mm-hmm. say. Rick is someone who's Taking a liking to me for whatever reason. We've co-produced records together. Oh, I didn't even know that. Yeah, we co-produced a record for uh, Madison Ryan Ward, written by Tobias Gesso Jr., keys by Corey Henry, mixed by Mike Dean. Oh, the God. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we need some Mike Dean stories. My, my guy. Oh, I got, I, got, I got good Mike Dean stories. But <laughs> Mike, uh, Mike mixed that record. Rick, Rick, and, Rick and I produced it together. Having Rick Rubin, not only... We, we, have, we, have, we have like a two-hour interview piece out that we did together, but like not only have him having conversations with me and talk to me and listen to my music, but he asked me to work on a record with him. And once that happened, he asked me to do the music for him in Malcolm Gladwell's podcast, uh, which I did. Mm -hmm. And then I did the music for him in Pharrell's GQ shit with Thundercat. And slowly he's just thrown me these jobs as we've gone. And as I've talked to him about his process, what a Rick Rubin style producer really means this and that I've kind of realized like what the differences are. And for me, I kind of, I have this mad lib side of how i think about music where madlib sits in a room by himself doesn't talk to the artist doesn't give a fuck about anything they're doing and just makes the weirdest shit possible and then deletes it when he's done and if you have the mp3 you have it and there's no stems there's no <laughs> mixing the record <laughs> rick rubin walks into a studio and will just talk to you and just have conversations with you and just inform the space that you're working in so that you make your best shit and he'll never touch he hasn't touched the drum machine since 99 problems that's the last beat rick rubin made i can tell you that as a fact yeah i've heard interviews where he's just like yeah i don't know i don't touch a knob i don't know how to use most of the equipment in the studio it's just yeah it's an energy thing but i want to be on both sides i want to have my blind spots covered from a technical standpoint so that if someone is trying to get out this thing or explain to me this kind of abstract thing. I have the vocabulary for them to make it happen technically. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to know that, but last week damn near fucking cried. I'm not going to lie to you guys. Rick sent me a tweet screenshot and I get a text from Rick Rubin. It's just a screenshot of a tweet. And it says, I don't think he'll say it, but Kenny's gearing up for his Rick Rubin run. Some shit like that. Mm -hmm. Rick texted it to me and then said, yay. And that's all he said. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and I, 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 and, that's great and tj you you know dylan dylan who's like my day-to-day manager my best homie i'm sitting with dylan and i'm just like looking at the phone like is, is did someone hack me like what the fuck is this that's crazy well i mean i didn't know that i mean when i i, I just kind of felt like i was noticing that over our over our conversation in the last 20 minutes of like i know that you have a lot of knowledge of recording and and playing instruments and a lot of gear and i called you a gear slut 
um, you know, as a joke, just because I like saying <laughs> sluts with a Z, and it's always been funny to me. But you know, you really are, you know, really have that ability. So you you have the 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 benefit of already knowing all that stuff. You know, learning in your teen and twenties. And now that you're a little bit older, you can, you know, begin getting your master's in the art of production. And uh, and I think that's sick. And congratulations. So what are you doing? Ice bath, ayahuasca, meditation, tai chi? Like, what are you doing to take yourself into that, like, guru, zen, god, producer level? Man, it's, it really doesn't come from that standpoint. It doesn't come from, like, this, like, I'm centered. Let me help center you. It's like, I'm fucked. And I can relate to you about how fucked you are. So, like, <laughs> let, like let, let let let's get into the other it. That's way. Much more, the other way. I don't try yeah. to set up this thing. Like, guys, I'm fucking thirty now. I was doing Kendrick records when I was nineteen. This is what I've learned over the last eleven years about how to. <laughs> like, it's not like that. I'm I'm like I'm fucking stressed. My dad's got cancer. I'm going through this shit with my homies. This money shit's fucked up. This is going on. All right, you want to make a song today? Let's get through it. Yeah, you you yeah, got yeah. shit going on too, right? All right, let's talk about it. Like a lot of guys that you know, quote unquote, make beats like. That's what they do, that's, and that's what they're going to do. You know what I mean? And I think that like producing a band maybe doesn't enter their, their brain or it's, it's, not, it's not top of mind. But like those challenges are very different, I can imagine. But, but did you, do you think you started making beats because that was what you were into at the time? And now this is kind of – you've transitioned into this? Or is this kind of always what you're into, but beat making took the front seat for whatever reason? I played guitar since I was like eight years old, but it was a thing where – you play like Almond Brothers and like Cream songs at your house because your dad thinks it's cool. Mm-hmm. And like when you get to school, like your friends don't really give a fuck about like the pentatonic scale kind of. So like, <laughs> yeah, for, for yeah. me, like I don't know the House of the Rising Sun. Can you play? <laughs> yeah, <else?"> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Like like trying to explain. Do you know Offspring? <laughs> like that's literally what it was like. I was like, I'd, I'd be so into like. My my dad's my dad's friend like my fake godfather like taught me how to play guitar and I was so into playing guitar and I knew I liked it more than sports and this and that but there was no way really to do this thing I was doing all the time when I was at home in a way where my friends gave a fuck about it I'd have to go play football or basketball with my friends to be with my friends and like you're only friends with the people you grow up with because your parents live in the same fucking area no one really liked music no one really had the same interest so whenever I got to be in high school and I knew like wait Dr Dre is making the drums that he's rapping on. Like I remember having that, like being like 12 and having someone telling me like, no, Dr. Dre does the beats and he raps. And then it just like opened up this idea of like, wait, you don't have to just be a guitar player. You don't have to just be a drummer. Like you can be the guy in charge of all the instruments. And then that opened up like the world of like, let me get, I got MTV music generator. It was a, it was a video game. Yeah. And <laughs> you, what you could like loop shit. Yeah, it's called MTV Music Generator for PS1. Wow. You could loop. They had like, here's bass loops. Here's drum loops. Here's like vo- house vocal loops. And you would just like make the worst beats ever. And that that kind of got me used to the idea of sequencing. And then maybe two years, three years later at 15, I got Fruity Loops demo version. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of why we have so many producers that support what we're doing with the cave or with the stream or we, we have the second biggest discord in the music category overall. And I think a lot of these kids can relate to me because at 15, I started making beats on a laptop and now I'm 30. And yes, I might be working with bands and doing other things and not just making beats on a computer anymore, but I understand that learning curve. And I understand being someone who's really good at social media and all this kind of stuff. And it's the logical step was kind of to program 
in this DAW and now you kind of know how to make music, but you don't play an instrument. Mm-hmm. You don't know how to go to music school for making beats, but it's like this weird gray area. And I feel like I've always related to that. So now I can say to kids like, Hey, I was making beats when I was 18 years old, getting shit on for the money, getting shit on for the credit and fader or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like that. And now I'm 30 and you guys see how I'm moving. Let me show you where I fucked up. Let me tell you about like my fucked up EDM couple years. Let me tell you about all this. <laughs> like, let me tell you about, but I think people love it. Cause I put out, I put out 22 songs last month produced by me, a Holvin staples album, an NPR tiny desk that I musical directed a Spotify commercial with Billie Eilish, Dua Lipa, Blackpink, mm-hmm. Travis Scott, bad bunny. Like that's last month. You know what I'm saying? That's, that's, that's July. So it's like these kids see, you could be self-deprecating. You could talk about the lame shit you did. You could talk about the parts where you fucked up. You could talk about not even knowing how to do a lot of shit with recording. And you're this producer who's known and you're figuring it out. Mm-hmm. And if they can see me do that, they'll go figure it out. They'll go try. They'll say, I can suck for a little longer. I don't have to be a little oozy by the time I'm 23. And I like that. I give that off to kids because my path wasn't linear. Damn, bro. Are these kids on discord? Are they like, do they want like, advice from you directly and also they're there for like the community aspect and they're all friends and like trading advice is that is that what's happening in this discord yeah this this discord and this twitch streaming thing like in my eyes if i was a homie of mine and i would see me posting once in a while like oh doing a stream or like fucking come in the discord or some shit i'd be like oh cool like kenny's on this other platform more followers, more people who are going to engage, more people who are going to be involved in the shows and the merch and all this stuff. Cool. Just like, it's like you and doing YouTube or doing Instagram, right? That's how I thought of it. And then I started doing the streaming in the discord and I realized this is more important than anything else I've done or I'm doing in my career. Like it's, it's true. I mean, I I've had platinum plaques, number one records, all these different kinds of things. It's never directly changed someone's life. It's never actually like made someone get up out of bed and get out of a funk and go make something and go try something. Like we have a kid who's, 16 years old from Scotland. He had about four t-shirts to his name. He watched me for the first six months I streamed and got a demo version of Ableton, free version of the program, started recording some ideas. He's played guitar for a long time. He put it in my Discord and and he has no followers, no nothing. He just said, here's the first four songs I've ever recorded. I hope you guys like them. He signed to XL Records last month. Shit. He signed to XL Records for a one album deal, which is a great fucking deal. I have nothing to do with it. I am not getting a piece of it. I am not making money off him. I'm not, he's not signing me. I don't have an imprint. I don't sign producers or artists. This is a kid who just was in my discord. I played the music without having heard it. I freaked out while I was listening to it. He was getting reached out to by managers that TJ, you and I both know Mm -hmm. people that we all three of us know were hitting like Polydor hit me within 24 hours. Like, XL hit me within 24 hours. Who is this kid? Yeah. And when I saw that happen, this kid's whole life has changed. He's filming videos with huge crews in his hometown right now, and he can't fuck. He's 17. He can't fucking believe it. Like, yeah, that is lit. We had a girl who sang for her first time. She said, like, I really want to make music. And everybody knew her in the community because she would draw everyone's pictures for their Abby. She'd draw, like, a picture for you, and you would put it as your Abby, and she did it for, like, 100 people. So everyone knew her. Yeah. And she's like, I really want to make music I've never tried. Her first song she we played it she had like pipes pipes like you could tell she never recorded music but she's been singing her whole life dj khaled invited her to the vmas next year <laughs> like we 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 sent her a we we sent her an sm7b microphone and within 2 days she was on the like virtual vmas that they did last year and they invited her they found out about her somehow invited her to the vmas like we've seen those are these those are like highlight stories but every day kids are in there collaborating every day kids are getting placements there's 113,000 people in there as of yesterday and there is zero there's zero toxicity we have moderators from every different type of like 
part of the world or representation. And it's like if, if there's a, a white straight kid seeing a comment about a trans issue or a black thing, he can't make that call whether that person gets banned or something happens. We have to have a trans person or a black person or a woman or someone who identifies a different way to moderate this discord so there is no bullshit, there is no hate. And so to grow to this size uh, Jesus with, Christ. with people to collaborating keep, without... I mean, to keep bullshit out of the out of a platform on the internet is truly that's a full-time job in itself we're paying kids from around the world all every week yeah really that's smart that's really smart we, we keep mentioning the metaverse and stuff but like you have created you know like a sustainable utopian digital world that you know you're like rewriting the rules of how things have to be done on the internet and you're creating this community for like-minded people that i don't really know another example of it that has been as successful and you know non-toxic congratulations but also this was this was in a pivot this was thanks thanks so much guys but like it was it was in a pivot honestly this wasn't like we had designed this thing we were going to build and this and that twitch came to me in 2019 because of the cave the show i already mm-hmm. did and they were like we'd love it if you did a longer form version of this on stream maybe you bring producers and so we had already talked to twitch had figured out a contract situation and this and that pre-quarantine so whenever quarantine hit, we were kind of almost thinking like, oh, wow, now we're not doing that. Right. All everything's canceled. You know, it was like, oh, the, the streaming thing we were going to do in 2019. And so but we had the GoPros. We had everything. The day L.A. went into lockdown was like my first stream. And I got lucky in the sense that I just got flooded because music on Twitch is only a year old. It's really just gaming. There's yeah, like yeah. the ideas of since I've got on there and now you see. Timbaland and T minus and disclosure and all these big producers though. Every single one of those people was a guest on my stream. And then was like, okay, I should just fucking do this. We can make some money. We can start this thing, blah, blah, blah. And like, this is a new thing on Twitch. And I was first just because of luck really. And so now that it started off, like Kenny's going to make beats. I'm going to break down a Dominic Fike song. I'm going to show you guys, I'll tell you guys a story about my career. It started like that. And then now it became about the beat battles, uplifting these kids yeah, I teach them. Yeah, I answer questions, but like, it's much more about them now. And it's not this thing where it has to turn into a creative agency in two years and I sign everybody. Mm. It doesn't have to turn into a thing where like, I'm making money on every talented kid in here. When they see that, puts me in a way different conversation than a Drake or Kanye record. I really like the part about like, I'm just doing this. Like, I don't need to own this shit. Like, I, I'm providing the platform and that's what's most important to me. That's very, very cool. I, I think that's like... I think most people would try to own it all or they would have somebody at least telling them they have to own it all. It's so dumb though, right? How dumb is it? How dumb is it for the people you know who are like trying to make a lot of money in music? Mm-hmm. How dumb are you? Like how, 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 how dumb pretty, are you? Pretty I dumb. Just, I, pretty I just dumb. don't understand. I mean, overall, I would say, <laughs> like, I think we, we all, all had, we all had January, right? Like we all had GameStop. We all had the stupid <laughs> months of like Doge and all this stuff. Everybody's seen like if you really hunker down at a monitor for three weeks and think about nothing else other than money, you can make money. And like with music, if you're someone who gets into this and you're thinking like, I'm going to ride trends or ride fads or whatever it is over the next 15 years and have hit after hit after hit after hit after hit. And that's how I'm going to make money. And then I'm going to sign people's publishing to make more money. It's like, dude, for half that amount of work, you could make 10 times that amount of money. And it's like, Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me. So when I, all the stuff we're doing with music and trust me, I'm not this guy who's always thought the way my manager has reprogrammed me to understand that like you get your name and your celebrity to a place where you get into a conversation about investing or starting this other thing or building a platform or blah, blah, blah. It's not just like hits, 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 load your bank account up. Boom. Maybe I'll put some money in the stock market. It's like, I've built 
all these things, these communities, whether it's like the people on YouTube, the people on Discord or whatever, from making hundreds of records for artists. But now these communities are things I never dreamed about when my biggest dream was have a platinum plaque, make a million dollars. Like my dream now is like, holy shit, I can have this be self-sufficient way after I'm dead and have kids blow themselves up in a way where they don't necessarily need to go through billboard or a cosign or a label or whatever. If 113,000 people say you're the fucking shit anywhere on the internet, it's over. Yeah, no, you're right. We can do that. And when you have a, when you build digital communities over and over, whether it's just a, a, a followership on a platform or a whole new thing like this discord thing, and you go to a Chris black or you go to someone at a, a brand or you go to someone who's running this other kind of thing. And they say, wait, you're able to, do this digitally and we're doing this in real life, those partnerships get really interesting when people know how to build in the real world and we know how to build here and you start to figure out like, whoa, this can get huge. This can get so much more massive than me as a producer. And you're, and you're also putting, uh, you know, giving jobs and income to people in a time where it's hard to get a job that you actually love to do. Like, you know, you're paying all these moderators, you know, kids across the world who would do it for free but you're giving them some money. How amazing is that for their self-confidence to just be like, hey, I'm an 18-year-old kid in Boise, Idaho, and totally. I already have my dream try, job. Try, try Belarus. And- try <laughs> Belarus. Try like, yeah, like the middle of, no, the problem for us is like Roland, Antares, Korg. I, I can't tell you how many sponsors we have for the beat battles. I give away a couple thousand dollars worth of gift every single Monday on Twitch. I've given away $150,000 worth of gifts in the last year. Um, like with the shipping costs more than the gift get a drum machine, and it's a and it's a kid who's literally in lithuania and it's like the shipping's gonna be 700 dollars for a 300 dollars drum machine it's fucking insane you're like sorry bud sorry, yeah bud. yeah yeah i mean yeah you know what man we'll, we're gonna figure this out we'll get back to you in a little while um i think that that, that is that that's great man that's that's fucking cool i mean i also how do you what is your division of like are you able to do all of this stuff I mean, that's the thing. If you're making a record for three weeks living in the studio, like, do you just, is your life just like, this is what I do? I, every hour is blocked out and I'm doing X, Y, Z and I sleep X amount? Or or is it like, does it ebb and flow a little bit depending on how many projects you have running? Um, if I'm working on a whole thing with somebody, like I just did Vince Staples' entire album. I just did another whole album that'll come out before the end of the year. Like that's budgeted off throughout all of my time. But besides that, I'm just filling up Every single day, I do pretty much minimum two sessions every single day, and then I hang with my mom on Sundays. And like, I'm I'm single at the moment. I was in a relationship till very recently, and I'd budget time for relationship, budget time for family, blah blah blah. But really, I, I think of it this way, Chris. Like, till 25, I felt like I coasted. I felt like like just like you two guys, like you're good looking dudes, you're smart guys. Like, if you don't really do all your homework and do every single assignment, you're still going to get a C or a B. But if you guys stu- if you guys study three nights a week, you're valedictorian, A plus, smartest fucking kid in the class. For me, like to stop fucking, stop going out, stop doing everything for a couple years when I was 26, and realize what me putting 16 hours a day in for six months can do for me. Yeah. I've got addicted. I've got addicted to the idea of like the more time I put in, the more t- I'm really seeing the results I want. And like now, it's gotten to like a fever pitch where it's like, yo, like fucking chill out like my homies are like yo like, it, it doesn't make a difference tonight like if you go to a fucking if you go to a natural wine club or you do like a session with baby cody it's not gonna change your life like it's not gonna yeah, yeah. drastically yeah. fuck things so 
I've had to I've had to really learn balance. But you know, the first time I met Rick Rubin, he told me you're not ready to meditate, and I was like, I'm pretty fucked up. <laughs> you're like, bro, come on, I'm fucked he's up. He's like, yeah, that's why you're not ready to meditate. I'm like, aren't you the dude who gets me ready, <laughs> bro? What are I mean, you I, even I, here I feel, for? I mean, it's tough. I mean, much like therapy, you you can't have somebody tell you what to do. You have to let them, you know, come to the water and and learn how to drink from it on their own. Totally. I went to therapy when I was 25 in the middle of this transition period where I was like, okay, no more EDC, a little more BET. You're going to switch everything up. I'm going to start working with the, start working with the artists I want to work with. And like at that time period, my dad was in a coma. The guy I used to DJ with, we stopped working together. I was in about $70,000 worth of debt. I was switching my career. And I was fucking miserable and not even sure if I had it in me and da, da 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 da. And I went to therapy and I was like looking for an answer, looking for someone to, to help me mm-hmm. figure out what's wrong. Tell me what to do. Yeah. Fucking didn't work at all. It was miserable. And now I go, I love my life. I'm very happy, even with all the more stress that I have now than then. When you go to therapy, when everything's not super fucked up, it's like a superpower mm-hmm. in a whole yeah. different way. I think people don't. Yeah, I don't think people. I don't think people understand that. I think they look at it as like a you know something to stop the bleeding, but that's not necessarily you know. Totally. The best way to stop the bleeding is to not get cut in the first place, Chris. <laughs> Damn. Oh my God! Wait, I had a I had a whole intro I was going to do. I have a story for you guys. Please lay it on me, brother. Oh my God. Okay, so. This is not a normal occasion for me, but the other night I got invited to a movie premiere. Actually, I can say what it is. I got invited to a Halsey movie premiere for her new movie that was scored by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. Have you heard of yes. this? Yes, yes. I don't. I don't want to know. I don't want to know what y'all think about it, Chris. I don't <laughs> want to know what your thoughts. No, are. I'm. No, I'm story. team. I'm actually team Halsey. I, I'm going to put it out there right now. Okay, good. I have some, but I do have some skin I'm in the team. I'm, Trent Reznor. I hate Atticus. It's a personal thing. <laughs> What's, uh, please explain to me. Please, please explain to me where they separate because I'm a Trent fan, but I, I only just hear Atticus Ross with him. I don't know Atticus Ross separately. No, no. I, th- I think Atticus is just like the guy that he does like the the cinematic scoring scoring work with. But I, yeah, and his name is just so twee and funny to me name that is I really just name is really funny so he's a, a, a great talented person i thought that atticus ross like played synth in like tool and they like it definitely could be something. that like, occasion a hundred percent that could absolutely yeah. be the be the be the truth i have no idea but either but e- but either way i thought it was interesting i thought this link up was interesting i was invited so i went um and i and i get there and you see you know the occasional celebrity pop star person who's a Halsey friend, whatever. And I'm just kind of like hanging with my homies. And I end up in this conversation with a couple people around the table. I don't know most of them. And I'm looking at this one woman who's in the conversation. And I'm like, I think you're this artist. I'm not sure. I think I know your music though, but I couldn't tell if it was her. So they're talking, they're talking. I'm not paying attention. I'm sim- sipping some like nasty mojito fucking thing. <laughs> and all of a sudden I hear this, this girl go, Oh my God. And I'm doing how long gone. <laughs> and, and I go, I go, wait, I was like, wait, wait, excuse me. Like, do you say how long gone? And she's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's like, do you know it? And I'm like, Oh no, like I'm doing it like tomorrow or like the next day. And she goes, Oh my God, me really? Like I'm doing it. I'm doing it in like two weeks. I'm so nervous. I'm so nervous about Chris. <laughs> <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> and I, and we started talking about it a little bit and we were going back and forth and I was like, if Chris talks shit to me, I'm just pulling the height card every time. You're, you're going to be fine. I'm going to be let fine. Let me give you like, some ammo. Yeah. yeah every, me... Everything's going to be good. But, uh, but I, I'm, I'll tell y'all actually, if I tell y'all right now, can you bleep it? Oh yeah. Sure. 
It was. Yes. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And so her and like her and I have never met. I'm like I'm a fan of hers. We were, like apparently we were supposed to work one time or something. But we, her and I started talking, and then she brought that up, and we literally talked about how long gone in the middle of this movie premiere. Me and this celeb <laughs> for like ten minutes. And then that was it. <laughs> this is a dream interaction. Dream interaction. Y'all should cu- y'all should clip this for a podcast. This is now. great for all of us. Yeah, this is great for I everybody. Know. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We need to we need to talk to you also offline about clipping things. I feel like you might be the doctor. <laughs> we need to go see. We need to go see what. Uh, what did you think about the? Was the was it like the Halsey album or was it like a? It, it, did you hear the whole record throughout the movie? Was that kind of the idea? Yeah, she said apparently that there's a couple her favorite song isn't in the movie of course and this and that but yeah it was a hour-long film directed by colin tilly who you know from like huge music oh yeah videos. yeah of course yeah 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 and and honest i'll, I'll be a completely 100 percent honest with you i've been on colin tilly video shoots before only met him once or twice like obviously he does like big budget yeah you know what i mean rap stuff and this and that i wasn't expecting the costume design and the shots and all these things to be as it was pro sick as they were it was pro yeah i mean i was i was actually really impressed like um like i, I wasn't expecting a 15 15th century halsey <laughs> oh, thing about pregnancy or whatever to, it's like that yeah to be shot so well yeah i mean it's, it, it was it's pretty insane and then one thing that really kind of blew my mind and it's not normally a fact i'd stop on but at the end it's that all makeup done by halsey wow when you when you see this production it's like a game of thrones level yeah production with the costumes and the scenery and the set design and everything and for her to be doing all the makeup is actually like a lot of fucking work no yeah that's insane i mean i i think that i don't know i'm very i don't care you know what i mean but i'm very interested to see what the music sounds like because she's got fucking hits and i think that it's also one of those things where trent reznor atticus ross don't need to do anything right like these guys are fucking good so something must have compelled them to do this project which makes me think that it's more promising than 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 maybe some people would expect halsey is fine you mean hot (laughs) that's right is that a tj pick is halsey a tj pick it kind of took a little time to open up and breathe like one of um one of kenneth's natties but like at first (laughs) i was not really fucking with halsey in terms of music or the visuals and then i saw on snl like the performance and i was like okay like she's talented i'll give her that she can sing and her ass did, off yeah for sure she did some photo shoot with white lotuses sydney sweeney and then i was like <laughs> okay i'm here you're here for this we could rock we could rock. it was a, <laughs> she first had to become an explore page hottie for me to understand the beauty of her music and talent is what i'm saying got it got it got it i'm got just it. a squirrel trying to get a nut at the end of the day i believe i believe <laughs> that kenny's she, a single guy he knows what i'm talking he about. knows what's up she was <laughs> on the yacht i have no idea <laughs> <laughs> she was on the yacht with gerald you know and they got busted doing coke and oh, her response no. her response was like yeah i was in miami <laughs> or whatever she didn't <laughs> <laughs> she wasn't on she wasn't on her like i can't believe this it was just kind of like yeah we're gonna keep it moving guys like that's it you know that's i I, res- I respect a lot of things about her i gotta yeah. say like even the I- the idea of doing this halsey has a song with benny blanco that has more plays on youtube than sicko mode oh, shit. you got to understand like shit. if she wanted if she wanted to go run it up like she's back with capital records they got all the money in the fucking world she can get in any like like she can get in any room with anybody ever you know and she decided to make 
a period piece mm-hmm. experiential film with Trent Rez, like with the the guys who scored Social Network. Like mm-hmm. if you think of this in terms of how good's this album versus Ariana or other people who are making albums this year who are out of her stature, that's one conversation. But if you think about like what she just did for like women in the middle of the country yeah. who are about to see this thing, who love Game of Thrones and love all she just did something so much bigger than an album in a way, regardless if it has a hit on there. And I will say there was one song I heard with an acoustic guitar that's felt like a fucking smash. So it sounds like it's a little bit of like going the Lady Gaga route when she did the fucking Or be or a Beyonce lemonade energy, but not yeah, quite yeah, yeah. kinda. But like, mm-hmm. yeah, I think it puts you in a different category to do something like this that's kind of like a maverick move instead of just make another huge fucking album with a great rollout you know mm, halsey hive stand up i mean i'm a little I'm, saying, I'm, I'm, I'm a little personally exhausted by all the visuals like I, i'm a little like i mean i appreciate that she took it like very far is what it sounds like so there's a lot of a lot of like high production value but to me i'm a little bit like can we just make music you, you know what i mean can we not just have like great songs like i just don't know if every because casey musgrave is about to do the same thing and we're known casey hive on this side and i'm a little bit like yeah i'm not checking yeah, yeah. F- for that from her like i want the music i don't want all this other stuff but i guess maybe i mean the reality is i think that's what you almost have to do to cut through the noise now and that's just where we're living is what it feels like to me I, i'm not i'm not sure as much in in the this casey Halsey, like yeah. pop star world, but I will say in in rap music, and I will say in a lot of hip hop stuff, like Tyler set a pace this year. Oh yeah, with how prepared he was content wise, and I agree in a lot of ways, Chris. Like I it was really very good, to, very good. I'd love to focus on just the fucking music too, and with a lot of groups I'm working with, like with like a Nick Hakeem, like Nick should just have an unbelievable fucking album artwork and let that shit speak. Like yeah. there's certain people I think can do that, but when Tyler sets this pace of I'm world building better than you, excuse the term, but like I'm I'm building this huge thing. I have nine videos prepared. Four of them are for the songs. The other five are just setting the atmosphere. And then my stage performance is going to be perfectly aligned with that. Everything's Grand Budapest Hotel. Everything has a through line. Like I put out a whole album with Vince Staples. We hit number one. I just was on Isaiah Rashad's album. It hit number one. All these albums are doing well with the streaming and everything. But I think when Tyler set this precedent of like from here on forward if you don't have this much shit ready and your performance don't look this good and that you're not even competing with me and i'm independent i'm doing this shit by myself so if y'all have the ovo team or the whatever team like you if you kanye if you're not building your mom's house in the middle of the stadium (laughs) and doing all this like like you should you should be you know so i think as much as i agree a pace has been set now and to keep it as interesting as it's been this year you can't be coming with gotta with, keep pushing can't be one activation and one cool visual it just no you're be. right no you're you're right i just think that i just well also there's stuff like i i think that youtube is mtv you know so it's like even though i'm not watching these music videos on youtube millions and millions and millions of people are and that's how and they're being exposed to this music through the algorithm because of the music video so obviously the value is there for the label or the artist or whoever um I, I just you know it's it's uh i think it would be refreshing for it to go the other way to some extent um but you know i we're, we're living in a modern society 
and this is what I have well, to expect. I mean, I feel, I feel like more people listen to songs on YouTube than they do on Spotify just because it's it's just free and it's there and everyone has access to it. Yeah. You don't have to no, pay. No, I, you don't have to be a, a subscriber or anything like that. Well, that's why you see things like NBA Youngboy. You know what I mean? NBA Youngboy. I was about is, to say, he's crazy. It's he's crazy, in the top right? five every single month of the most streamed music artists on youtube it'll be like eminem <laughs> like everyone you expect eminem, eminem drake kanye whatever and then young boy and it has not wavered for years now i, I have a, so crazy me and me and young boy have two plaques we worked a lot a couple years ago uh free him but either way young boy like he has a fan base in baton rouge and the surrounding territories who are not paying for title apple music spotify whatever and this man when he does drop the video to go with his music it's getting a hundred million views that week, and this is helping it certify now because yeah. this all these rules have changed. If your YouTube video does that many views, that counts as digital sales. So he can run up his actual music videos into plaques way before people who can get uh, top new hits or whatever on fucking Spotify can get to their plaque. You know, it's crazy. The game truly has changed. Well, you you were um, you were mentioning earlier you had some mike dean stories i didn't want that to pass through our fingers do you know like the like the ultimate like the the first story like the how kanye found him story that's really one of my favorite things uh i think i remember a little bit but i don't exactly remember how it went so from what i understand this and i don't, I don't think mike will give a fuck about me saying this from what i hi mike if you hear this <laughs> from what i what, what i understand is uh yay was working on i think graduation and there's all these famous videos where Kanye was like going to Timbaland and playing him harder, better, faster, stronger. And like, yo, I can't get this kick right. I can't get the 808 right. It's already on the radio. We've done 20 mixes of this song, but the drums aren't knocking right. That doesn't sound like the Kanye I know. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he, he was going to all these people trying to get feedback on how to fix this album while it was already out. And this is the first <laughs> time we, we, we saw Ye kind of do this thing that now is his calling card. But yeah, he was listening to all these records. And honestly, I think... Yay is just so amazing with how he digs for influences and where what influences he picks for what. And he was listening to Ghetto Boys, apparently, nonstop while making certain songs on graduation. And he was just saying how like nothing since that era ever really had a sub or 808 that felt the way the Ghetto Boys shit did in the car. Yeah. And he was trying to emulate how these records felt. And if you know anything about a lot of this early 808 production, a lot of this Texas production, Mike Dean's name comes up a lot when he talks about mixing and these records getting put together, especially Ghetto Boys. Well, 8-Ball MJG, so much legendary shit. But Mike apparently was off the radar. No one really knew much about where he was at. Kanye was trying to find him because Kanye was trying to solve the solution for graduation. And Kanye goes this address that someone gave him in the middle of nowhere in fucking Texas. And it's like a ranch miles away from fucking anything. They get there. They pull up in a bunch of black SUVs. It looks like no one even lives there. All the windows are open. The front door is open. It's just like the <laughs> shitty old ranch. And they walk up on the porch and there's just like this dude with like a toothpick with no shirt on with long hair. And they're like, we're looking for Mike. And he goes, he goes, what's up? And he takes him into the living room and there's there's not a coffee table. There's like a there's like a two seater couch or some shit, and it's all tannoys and subs and just speakers. Oh, in the shit. entire living room, and and Mike's like, you want to play me some shit? And Kanye plays him whatever it was off graduation, and Mike goes, what the fuck are you doing with the drum? <laughs> and he's like, well, I've been I've been stacking all these kicks. I've been adding these eight. I've been putting eight oh eights on top of eight oh eights. Mike's like, you need one good kick, and Kanye's like. All right, like you want to help me out, da, 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 and the rest and the rest is fucking history. And he never left his side. I love that. When you see Mike now, and you see his demeanor, and you see how he acts, and how like 
unfazed he is by shit. He's always just smoked out, like in a fucking big t-shirt, like <laughs> doing his thing. That that I, that picture of him, like if he was just in Texas right now with his shirt off on the ranch, he wouldn't feel any different. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like he wouldn't be acting any differently. I can't I can't wait till the Kanye biopic comes out in twenty years and they recreate that scene. Oh my god. When I when I first went to his house, Mike invited me over one time. And I will tell you this, of every studio I've been to around the world, any studio I've been to in California or in the United States, there's no room as loud as Mike Dean's home studio. There's nothing <laughs> so There's sick. nothing even close. And the second, the second loudest room I've ever been in is in a studio called The Church in London. Um, it's where they did like Rolling in the Deep for Adele. This producer named Paul Epworth yeah, owns it. He yeah. did like Block Party and a lot of shit. Epworth, a classic. Um, yeah, so... I always work in the B room of the cave and it's like a very new room, but Mike Dean did Madonna's album there. So he left these Tannoy speakers that he was using in the room. You can't go to 80. Like if you, like it goes to a hundred, you cannot, <laughs> if you get to 80, like you feel like your head's going to implode, like, like in a concert kind of way. <laughs> the like blood in your body stops flowing to the organ. <laughs> I, I go to, I, I go to Mike's house and like, I'm a, I'm a big smoker. Like I, I really like I, t- I take pride in it the way like you guys probably think about like coffee or something. I'm very, very like into yep. it. So when I go to Mike's house, like we're smoking, we're talking, we whatever. He he goes in his kitchen. He cooks like this impossible, this crazy impossible meat pasta situation. Mm. And the only thing that was in his freezer was impossible meat and weed and nothing else. <laughs> I am not I'm not kidding you. I mean pounds, like probably six, probably six quarter pounds of weed, like cryogenically sealed, whatever, wrapped up, sealed, and then big like bricks yeah. of impossible meat. And I was like, why do you keep the weed in the freezer? And he goes, he was like only smoking this one weed called jet fuel at the time. And he's like, Well, I get it the second they finish drying it. So I want it to be this fresh when I smoke it. So I like cryogenic, like I put it in the freezer so when I open it, yeah. it's perfect every time. We're sitting in his studio and he's like, yeah, play me some shit. So I start playing him stuff. And anytime I play him anything with like a weird 808, he kind of just like turns over his shoulder and like gives me this really slow, weird nod. Yeah. yeah. I was just like, oh, he's fucking with it. And the story ends with, he was like, yo, come sit over here. I want to play you something. And so his studio is set up with kind of stadium seating. So like there's people listening to the music. There's people listening to the music in the back who are elevated a little bit from where Mike is four or five feet. Nothing crazy. Like a, like how like a uh, uh, movie theater in someone's home would be kind of, you know, like staggered. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I'd, I'd been sitting in the back and he goes, come up here, like sit in my chair and listen to this. I went and sat in Mike's chair, which is like perfectly triangular with where the speakers hit and blah, blah, of blah. Of course, yeah, and, of course. And he just, he just played me sicko mode <laughs> and like it was already out. Like the song had been out. Like it was out for like months at this time. Yeah, yeah. You're like, yeah, I know the song. I know. <laughs> and it the wasn't song. like Mike's like, let me show you like some crazy unreleased shit. He was just like, listen to Sicko Mode where I mixed it, <laughs> and he just wanted me to like he- hear it there. Jesus. And honestly, like, I-, I felt so. I'm just like sitting in Mike Dean's chair, and he's playing me Sicko Mode, and it's like already on the radio, and I know all the words, <laughs> and I'm just like, this is this is so weird, but it sounded fucking crazy. I'm sure. I'm sure. Don't worry. We're gonna get. We're going to get Mike Dean to eventually mix an episode of this podcast. That's my goal. Kind of one of my kind of one of my goals, uh, you know, eventually. How about this? If I if I if I ever come back, I'll call Mike Dean in that. There we go. Yeah, we would love a Mike Dean FaceTime dial in. Chris will start smoking weed again if that happens. (laughs) Do you know? Do you know me and Mike Dean? Like, do, do you know me and Mike Dean? Like got in like a fucking situation last year? Like. 
almost got like a cease and desist. Like we had a whole thing happen last for year. W- for what? Dude, there's this there's this plug there's this plugin that everybody uses. It's called CLA Vocals. From the Waves bundle? Exactly. It's like a catch-all vocal plugin. Mm-hmm. No one knows exactly what it does, which is why a lot of engineers don't want you to use it because you can do a lot of things separately instead of just letting this thing kind of guess for you. But yeah. I used it here and there for demos. I made a joke about it on Twitch. I was like, oh yeah, Alex Tumay, like another mix engineer. I was like, my friend Alex told me, don't ever use this CLA vocal shit. And it was kind of a joke. And Alex did tell me that, but I was just kind of fucking with him. And then we were on Twitter going back and forth. And I was like, I said something like, Alex Tumay only uses CLA vocals on every mix for Young Thug. <laughs> and so everybody was like, oh my God, Alex, don't use that shit. That plugin sucks, whatever. And Mike Dean might have a little bit of beef with the guy who started the plugin. And Mike, <laughs> started Mike the plug in. Alex not knowing. <laughs> Dude, Mike, Mike doesn't know that me and Alex are like, it's a lot of satire. Yeah, like we're, yeah, yeah, like we're actually friends. Mike just goes over and goes, fuck that guy. Fuck that piece of shit plugin. And so when Mike Dean says Plug that, the fucking the internet community, the producer community like erupted. And for the next three months, it was like, yo, if you use CLA in your session, you're getting fucking roasted. Like if you're like, you're a kid who's streaming the scarlet letter, it was so bad, but waves ended up selling more units of that CLA vocals <laughs> plugin last year than they'd ever sold of any plugin. God damn it. <laughs> and that plugin, how, how long ago, how many years ago did that plugin come out? Oh, at least seven. The Dean effect. I should the Dean say. effect, the Dean effect. Uh, God damn it. All right. <laughs> Kenny beats. Thank you for joining us. It was, it was, uh, great to hear hear your story honestly it was a really master class of podcast guestery i will say yeah Kenny, that, good that, job. yeah you you're, you know what the fuck going on uh kenny tell everybody where they can find you on 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 discord on twitch on instagram etc twitter you name it i'm just at kenny beats everywhere it's a s not a z uh <laughs> tj and unfortunately yeah Ha- happy to be here um, i'm gonna get you guys some some quinn snacks soon i'm gonna get them to you i promise thank you thank you yeah yeah please stunt on us quinn's, when you- quinn's finally hit me up they're like oh yeah we're gonna send you the pack that was like a month and a half ago and they were just gonna send me the maple ones i'm like i don't want that fucking shit Fuck the maple Fuck and then maple. this guy over here he sent me a dm you know when we first started talking around that same time of just like Here's the box of Quinn's that I got. It's just like a four foot long fucking coffin full of every flavor and color, coffee mugs, t-shirts, frisbees. And they're like, yeah, we have a new maple flavor. We'll get a bag to your house, TJ. And it never showed up. Fuck you, Quinn. That's the respect you deserve, Jason. Unfortunately, we got to try harder, bro. That's what it comes down to. Well, thank y'all. Thank y'all so much. Of course, man. We'll see you soon. True pleasure, Kenny. Peace, guys.
Put the shit together on the globe Starting first on the other floor 